Let's do one, two, three, four, five, and then clap on six, okay? But you got to do the ands. One and two and three and four, that? Yes. And then we'll clap five and and clap on six? Yep. Okay, here we go. Ready? Mm-hmm. One and two and three and four and five and... Oh, I forgot to clap. God damn it, really? Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider... And your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. All right. Welcome to I'm okay, you're okay, I'm not okay, you're not okay. It's another beautiful day that Jesus made himself. And for that, I am eternally grateful. Do you want to start out with an email? Should we start out with emails? I mean, why we don't normally start with emails is a question for, I don't know, the sage sage people that answer questions oh i know why i mean i don't know if i'm a sage person but sometimes we're already got the ball rolling on something sometimes we don't have emails but we do have them today right 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 we got three new patrons one is lexi one is daniel luna and one is trey brown who edited their pledge he increased his pledge thank you trey thank you to all you guys who support the show on patreon you are now ticket holders to is it the hottest little corner of podcast land, the Secret Weekly? I mean, that's what all the kids are calling it, the hottest corner of podcast land. I don't know what we're calling it, but I know what the kids are calling it. Right. I guess we just humbly call it the Secret Weekly for now. I mean, we humbly call it what it is, the greatest podcast of all time. I mean, humility is to know oneself, and we know what it is. And obviously, these Patreon people know as well. By the way, that's the way, that's the plural of patreon is patrons well here's the deal and i support um several patreons <clears throat> all podcasts that i love and there's one of them that i don't even listen to right because I, i've just got so much to listen to especially yeah I've, you know when the sports seasons are active which they're not now but it's a podcast that i love so much it's brady Ellis's podcast oh yeah he's an author and he's a kind of a film nerd out in la he has given me so much joy. There have been so many authors and books I've read and films I've never would have even heard of that have become some of my favorite movies because of his podcast when I was in a season where I was listening to it every day, or every time he dropped one. Correct. And now, even though I don't listen, I still pay him every week because he just, it brought value to my life. And so whether or not you're coming to the Secret Weekly or you got the postcards and we were doing the postcards. Some people, I think, support the show just because they realize that it has value. And for, to them, I'd say thank you. To them, I also say thank you as well. Okay, John Powers writes and he says, I can't believe you guys went 20 minutes on Elton John versus Billy Joel without once mentioning that Elton John did not write any of his own songs. All of his were co-writes with Bernie Taupin. In fact, his second greatest hits album came out before his first album without Bernie. Pretty sure Billy Joel wrote all his own songs, but I didn't bother to fact check. All I know is that Bob and Clint have more solo hits in their catalog than Elton John does. Elton is a great pianist, but he's no Bob, Clint, or Billy. Period. Zip. Thanks, daddies. Give yourselves more credit. Oh, and when are you guys dropping the new shit? All the best. Comic John Powers. Yeah, I I would love to give anybody Bernie Taupin's lyrics and go go write uh, Goodbye Yellow Brick Red. That is exactly my thought. Like Bernie Taupin's poetry on a page is one thing, but for for someone to take that and turn it into you know all of those great songs. Yeah, it's not it's not just chords and piano playing. It's melodies. It's the melody. Yeah. It's taking those lyrics and expressing them musically in an inspired and amazing 
Like, I mean, some of the great songs of all time. Now, were those songs made while using Coca-Cola? And by Coca-Cola, <laughs> I mean cocaine. Yeah, he was using the cocaine. And but is it? But okay. But now that we've gotten that out of the way, like it's definitely more. Elton John is definitely more responsible for how well those turned out. There's Elton John on cocaine. That's all his hits. And then there's Elton John sober, and that's Lion King. So case closed. The judge just went to go take a trip to Spain. But just back to the Elton and Billy thing, does Billy get a slight edge in the creativity department for being the sole author of both the lyrics and the music? Does that give him a slight edge? Yes, it gives him a slight edge. It gives, in fact, he is the winner. He won. Elton John lost. Uh, but it was a, it was a close race, and guess what? They both won, and we all won. When is your new album coming out? That's another thing John would like to know. Ask my manager, who will be listening to this. And by, by listening to this, I mean won't listen to this. Well, I don't want to titillate John Powers, but I actually have my hands on the record myself. Haven't jammed it yet, but it's in there somewhere. All right, we got another interesting musical email. Okay. This is from New Jersey Danny. All right. I wonder where he's from. He doesn't say where he's from, but New Jersey Danny writes in, Hello, you hairy fuckers, because we did go off on a tangent about baldness and about how, though God gave us many limitations, one of them was not the hair sitch. Yeah. So he says, hello, you hairy fuckers. I'll start with being genuine. A few years ago, I had a massive depression that paralyzed me for two years, literally didn't know how to get from one moment to the next. I lived that way for two years, but somehow managed to hear your podcast episodes, and they were a ray of light for me. So I can forgive you for your Samson-like hair strands. <laughs> Um, that's pretty cool, man. Someone was going through a tough time and listening to me and you talk about all the vast array of bullshit that we crank out on here made him feel better, got him out of it. That's, that's pretty cool, man. That's a pretty cool thing. Um, he says, I don't think you ever talked about the Beatles. Wondering if you feel they impacted you a great deal. Do you have a favorite Beatle or favorite Beatle record? Hmm. I have a feeling you'll both say the White Album, which is ruined for me by the scary Revolution 9. Cheers, New Jersey, Danny. I mean, there's no... Contest, my favorite album is Abbey Road of theirs. It's nice. where it's where uh, John Lennon got on that heroin. He was on the heroin. Also, I mean, they were all just at the height. They were at the height of their powers on that record. Uh, White Album's got a couple good songs on it. They all have pretty good songs on it, but something about Abbey Road, because it's really... It's kind of the best of two records. It's sort of, I mean, let it be, is it let it be? That was their record that came out after they broke up. The record company put it out, but those were like the B sides of Abbey Road, and that's got no. fucking uh, let it be on it. They made let it be as its own album, and the whole idea that we learned from the film was they had the idea for this concert because they hadn't played live in forever. So they're like, let's write an album in a really short period of time and then perform it live. And that will be the record. And so they were going to do it on this island and they were going to do it on a boat. And what the, what the Get Back documentary and what the movie Let It Be was about was the documenting it, but it was such a dark time. They worked so hard on it. They recorded those songs that became Let It Be. Most of the, most of the recording performances were from the rooftop. But they just didn't like it. So they didn't put it out. So then they just scrapped that album. So then they got together and made Abbey Road, which was just a completely different batch of songs, completely different project. 
made Abbey Road, and then when they broke up, Apple Music put out Let It Be. They basically tried to find the best versions of those sessions, and that's what became Let It Be. Right. But if there would have been any songs on Let It Be that they liked better than the songs on Abbey Road, they would have gone on Abbey Road. Uh, No, that's not what happened. They just scrapped the whole thing. They just wrote new material. You can hear in the Get Back sessions little snippets of songs that would become Abbey Road songs. Like, she came in through the bathroom window. Like, you see snippets of Paul working on that in the Let It Be sessions. But they're all, they work on Maxwell Silver Hammer, which became a track on, on Abbey Road. But I think they always planned to put those songs out. They just didn't want to put it out at the time. It was just such a weird experience. They just wanted to get away from it. So they just shelved it. I know Paul, I know Paul McCartney was really pissed when they put that record out. Because he didn't, you know, yeah. they, they didn't want to put those songs out. They didn't want to put that record out. Well, they gave it to Phil Spector, and Phil Spector put all these strings on it. Like, the actual version of Let It Be or The Long and Winding Road are really just Beatles, stark, piano-driven performances. Phil Spector came in and took those sessions. The Beatles weren't given a lot of creative control over the takes that he used, and then he put this orchestral stuff under it without giving them any say. Could you imagine someone taking, like, your demos without your consent and putting, like, string arrangements under it? Color Me Tickled Pink. I'm down. You would like you would like that. Yeah. If Phil Spector, one of the most popular producers of all time, did it. Yeah. But that's if I was me. Now if I was the Beatles, that'd be like some guy that works at the Takaria coming in and going, Hey, I'm gonna put by the way, the guy that works at the Takaria has a Ukrainian accent. I'm going to put the strings on your record. I'd be like uh, I'm Bob Schneider, bitch. Do it. I think if someone took one of my songs and made it better, like enhanced it, and was like, "Hey, sorry, I didn't want to offend you, but I, I wrote a string arrangement. What do you think?" Yeah, dude, awesome. But if the record label did it and then put it out, and I wasn't even, not only was I not consulted about it, but whatever, it's Paul, it's Paul McCartney's druthers. He didn't like it. Yeah, I mean, if I was Paul McCartney, Paul McCartney. And somebody did that to me, I would not be liking it at all. But I'm not Paul McCartney. I'm Bob Schneider, so. Well, neither is Paul McCartney. <laughs> He's not Paul McCartney either. I think that the string arrangements are better. Because they, in the early aughts, they came out with this new version of Let It Be called Let It Be Naked. Right. And it was all the just Zip. stark, stark shit, exactly. Yeah. And. I kind of like the string arrangements. I think they're prettier. I've masturbated to both, and I do find that I have a hard time masturbating to either. Like, I thought it'd be easier with the naked version, but same. Hard. Right. Rock hard. Rock hard penis. Hard for me to masturbate with four naked beetles. I'm with you. On that, we shall agree. Well, those are the emails for this week. Write in bobandclint at gmail.com, and we will talk about whatever you want. How do we get through all those emails? Jesus Christ, dude. We have a, we have a hectic... I mean, we're going to have to call OSHA and make sure that we're, that we're okay in terms of our work day. We do have another one from Christopher Riordan, who, but it's a video, and I, you know, I can't play the snippets of the video, but it's an interesting topic that I wonder if you have an opinion on. And it's basically a an interview with Gene Simmons where he's on the Piers Morgan show. Uh-huh. And instead of him being the sort of sex crazed demon, long tongue, blowing fire, money hungry, kiss nerd, 
Right. He's kind of what he really is, which is like pretty erudite, well-read, well-spoken, smart dude who never did drugs, who got a pretty clean outlook on life and who's made some pretty good decisions and I think is a great bass player. And he's basically saying his opinion on Gene Simmons change. I have this conversation a lot with my Metallica people, people that like hate Gene Simmons. And I'm like, uh, he's actually kind of one of the, probably the coolest member of Kiss. I mean, he's the coolest member of Kiss, Paul Stanley. I mean, I've seen him twice. He's one of the great performers I've ever seen on a stage. Uh, as far as rock, uh, as far as a rock performer, I mean, in the top five, you'd, I'd put him up there with, of the people I've seen, I'd go Perry Farrell uh, during the 1990, that Nothing Shocking tour. Uh, who's the dude from Stone Temple Pilots that died? Scott Weiland. Scott Weiland, back in the day when he was still doing the drugs. I saw him, incredible performer. That guy from, uh, uh, I'm, man, there's so many actually. Now that I think about it, there's a lot. There's a lot of Would rock. you say Gene Simmons is like top 10? I mean, he's just up there. He's just incredible, dude. When he comes onto the stage, the entire time that he's on stage, He's not Gene Simmons. He's, what's the guy called? The Demon? The Demon. He's the fucking Demon, dude. He's in those fucking 12-inch heels. He's all dressed up. He's got that makeup on. He's got that tongue, the blood. He's fucking fire. He's playing an axe. He's fucking being transported through the air. At one point, he flies like 100 feet into the air and sings a song 100 feet in the air on some platform, dude. And if that song's not, called God of Thunder. And you're yeah, he's called God of Thunder. Every song's basically about how he's just fucking bitches in half. <laughs> I mean, it's it's no joke, dude. The dude is a fucking force of nature. Yeah, he's amazing. Dude, I've got to find this Ramstein song. I mean, you spent a lot of actually really formative years in Germany. I, I know our listeners know that. What do you think about Ramstein? You you ever check in on those dudes? Ramstein is ridiculous, dude. That shit is German times ten. Like if you took Germany and times ten it, that's Ramstein, dude. That's like the most the Rams the the American equivalent to Ramstein would probably be Bon Jovi. I think Bon Jovi's the most American of all bands ever to come out of America because they're like they're 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 basically they're cowboys and on steel horses they ride so they're from New Jersey but they also have embraced MAGA and cowboys and they've basically they basically what they did was they united the world Bon Jovi and created this fetishistic sort of ultra American look and sound. Yeah, but I think a lot of bands you could say did that. Like America's just so big with so much output, and you could say that Bon Jovi united the world, the country. You could say Springsteen did with his blue collar shit. You could say that fucking Garth Brooks did, or that there's just a lot of people you could put in that conversation. Well, you could, say, you could say you could say that about Bruce Springsteen. You can't say it about Garth Brooks because he he. He sort of did when he did the Chris Ware thing or whatever. What was that? Chris, Chris Gaines. Gaines. Chris Gaines. Oh, so you're talking about just in rock music. So you could say like Aerosmith, you know, you could say Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. No, you can't because those guys were one thing. Whereas Bon Jovi was everything. Bruce Springsteen is everything. 
uh, those guys were not everything. Tom Petty was not everything. He was one thing. He was like a sophisticated uh, rock guy. He, uh, you're not going to see Tom Petty in a in a fucking cowboy hat. Yeah, of course you will. When, dude, I'll find a picture of Tom Petty in a cowboy hat. He has a whole record called Southern Accents. A lot of his music was very country, Americana. All right. I'll include him then. He did everything. But here's my point about Rammstein. How many bands come out of Rammstein? Or how many bands come out of Germany? I mean, a lot of bands come out of Germany, but you've never heard of any of them. Well, exactly. How many came out of Germany, but the Americans will go watch a two-hour stadium show watching... Like, American bands go play in other countries all the time. Japan, doesn't matter. They Do they speak English? No. Does anyone care? No. Americans don't really do that. We don't really celebrate bands that we don't know what the fuck they're talking about. You know? Rammstein comes to America and Americans who don't know German will go to two hour shows and watch the whole thing. That's super rare. I don't know those people, but I do know me and I know that I would not go see Rammstein. They sell out stadiums. It's amazing to me. I can't believe it. In fact, someone had to hip me to it because I was like, Metallica is the only hard rock band that can still sell out stadiums. Someone was like, no, Rammstein does it every year. And I was like, there's no way. They had a hit in America in like 1998 called Duhas. There's no way. And I went and looked and they do. And I was like, what's going on with these guys? And I watched one and they're doing a, they're blowing shit up and there's fire everywhere. There's crazy stage stuff to kind of distract you from like, I don't really know what they're saying. I know what they're saying, by the way. <laughs> well, this is what I'm trying to get to because you're going to love this. You're going to love this. So a friend of mine is really into Ramstein. Well, Ramstein's under a lot of heat right now because this lead singer guy throws these crazy sex parties after Ramstein shows. And then some chicks have been coming out and saying like, hey, these parties are not super cool. Like they're not real safe and shit's real weird. Oh, the, the German sex parties aren't safe and they're real weird. That's a shocking revelation. Here's what Germans like to do. Shit on each other. Well, apparently that guy makes his own porn. So she sent me the lyrics and I can't <laughs> find it because it's the German translation. But it's basically this is basically what he's saying. It's something called it's called like I'm number one. Uh-huh. And the, the whole song is him saying I'm the number one motherfucker in the world yeah. all the bitches want to fuck me right and only me right and only i fuck all the bitches in the world because i'm number one right and he's not joking there's no twinkle in his eye right the music's menacing and scary and he's just saying i'm number one right i figured you would get a kick out of that i like that because that's 100 percent correct when it comes to that guy he is number one and all the bitches in the world want to fuck that guy by the way <laughs> Google that guy so you can see how fucking gross that motherfucker is. When you see how gross that guy is, then you'll be like, oh, of course I want to fuck that guy. That guy's definitely number one. How gross he is? He's so gross. Have you seen the guy? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Google him right now. Rammstein singer. I want to say he looks like Aleister Crowley, like late in life. Aleister Crowley was kind of like a potato-shaped, outcasty looking guy. Oh, Till Lindemann is Till like- Lindemann's a good-looking man. Yeah, he's like an alpha, blonde-haired, you know. What's the chance that Till Lindemann's got that H, uh, HPV? 100%. Oh, easily. That's one of the easiest questions ever. Allegations. He's under investigation for allegations of sexual offenses and distribution of narcotics. This is in June of 23. Ouch. Ouch, Mr. Lindemann. We want to question you about some sexual allegations. 
Okay, here. First, let me get this shit off my chest. What did you want to ask me? Well, we have an idea that maybe you've been transporting narcotics in your butthole. Hmm. Well, I will say that I did do some cocaine off of my cock with some ladies at the party last night. Anyways, keep going. I could do that guy forever because... I have a very good German accent. Well, they've been laying low, which is what you're supposed to do, really, when there are these things come. Because some other news thing will come up. But yeah. the drummer came out and basically threw that dude under the bus, which is pretty wild. Because that dude's definitely going to get fired. All right. Here's here's how it says. After Ranstein concert in the Lithuanian capital on May 22nd, Irish fan Shelby Lynn alleged on social media that she had been drugged and also encouraged to drink along with other young women selected from among concert course and brought to Lindemann for sex. In a series of tweets, Lynn said she declined Lindemann's alleged advances but had no memory of later parts of the night, was ill and bruised the next day. Well, so the drummer came out and basically was like, look, I've never really seen anything like that, but I can tell you that that dude is weird and that that dude has been isolating himself from the band. He throws his own after parties. He travels in a bubble like we don't really speak to him. Yeah. And he's been just getting stranger and stranger as the years have gone on. Eminem performs Lose Yourself during surprise appearance at Ed Sheeran's Detroit concert. Is Ed Sheeran now, he's traveling with a band now? I don't know. I didn't think so. It looks like it. There's a band on stage. Well, it's about time he started sharing, sharing the wealth. He's been selling out stadiums with no overhead for fucking decades now. Isn't John Mayer now doing solo con- like stadiums shows? He's doing arenas. He's doing stadiums as the guitar player for Dead & Co., but they're on their last ever tour. Well, supposedly their last ever tour. Farewell tour. We'll see about that. You know who's on on tour with Ed Sheeran is uh, our Austin buddy, uh, whose name like, escapes me, Ben Queller. Ah. He's on tour with him right now. Like what? Like opening for him or playing with him? Opening up for, ben, for Ed Sheeran. Well, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, look, just because you write rock songs doesn't mean you are entitled to treat women poorly. So let's just get that out of the way. That's a fact. But listen to me, ladies out there. Do not go to Till Lindemann's after Ramstein sex parties unless you want to have weird sex with him. Okay? That's all I'm saying. Pretty simple mandate. Look at these places that Ed Sheeran's playing. Soldier Field. Chicago. Nissan Stadium. That's in Nashville. GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. That's in Kansas City. U.S. Bank Stadium. Ooh, I don't know U.S. Bank Stadium. Is that Milwaukee? Man, these are some crazy, those are some crazy, crazy tickets. Well, you know, what's interesting, this is a tough thing to crack into here at the end, but the middle class of touring has gone too. Like, you can only tour now if you're that guy and Beyonce and Metallica and Taylor Swift. Like, medium-sized touring is just almost impossible now. Ben Queller's also playing Austin City Limits. That's pretty cool. I would like to play that one day. We're playing there this year, twice. Yeah, well, you play twice. That's the way it works. It's two weekends. Everyone does both weekends? Yeah. It just seems hard to do for travel if you're, like, traveling, if you're on a tour. Yeah. 
but you have to roll through, do all your shit, go f- do four more shows, then come back. Yeah, they've been doing that for because they couldn't they because they would sell out of the weekend. They were like, well, let's just add another weekend of the same artist the week after that and make twice as much money. And so that's what they've been doing. Well, most festivals will just get two different weeks of shows. You know what I mean? Like we just did Summerfest. We were only there one night, but it had been going on for three weekends. Went and saw Buck Cherry. Remember Buck Cherry? How was that? I mean, the dude's biggest song was about how much he loves cocaine. And to watch a man in his mid to late 50s singing about, I love the cocaine. I love the cocaine. Yeah, he does love the cocaine, doesn't he? Well, he at least used to. But if that's the main hook of your most popular song and you have to sing that song to remain viable for the rest of your career, it just ages. It just doesn't age great. Here's the lineup for Austin City Limits. Do these sound like big bands to you? Because they do not sound like big bands to me. All right. Friday, Kendrick Lamar. He's obviously big. The Lumineers, Kali Uchis, and Maggie Rogers. I don't know who any of those people are. I know the Lumineers. I mean, I, I, I know I've heard of the Lumineers too, but really? Are they a headliner? And then Saturdays, Foo Fighters, of course, big. Shania Twain. Is she still alive? 1975? Yeah. Huh? Alanis Morissette? Still alive? Sunday, Mumford and Sons. Okay. Odessa, Hosier, Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's Labyrinth. Really? That's all big. That sounds not good. That sounds like a horrible festival. Where the, what, that, what day are we on? Where the fuck are we at on those? Sunday, the Mumford and Sons and Odessa and Hosier and Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's. And then just a bunch of people I've never heard of. I mean, there's the Breeders, still alive. Uh, and then a bunch of people I've never heard of. Dude, we're about to do a festival with Ice Cube. Jeez. Why can't they slide? Why can't why can't these wonderful people at Austin City Limits slide in Bob Schneider onto this bill? What's the, what's the, what's the problem? You should be playing ACL every year. Period. That's kind of what I'm thinking. The only band that does Asleep at the Wheels played every Austin City Limits. They're they somehow they I think they open it up like they're on every year. They're like the first band to open up Austin City Limits. We did it the very first year they had it, sort of as a favor to them, it's before they were they were unproven. And we knew the guys who who did the con- the thing and was like, yeah, we'd love to do it. And then the next year we were the we were like at noon. Have never done it since. That was twenty one years ago. It was the last time we played. And in twenty one years, I guess. I always tell my booking agent every year, I'm like, hey, can you get us on Austin City Limits? And they're like, uh, you play too much in Austin. I'm like, yeah, we were playing that much when we did that concert the first time. Anyways, I think what happened was we pissed somebody off there. Well, unfortunately, that's the way the goddamn world works. Well, I don't know if they run it. I mean, I know they sold the festival at some point to somebody. So somebody else owns that festival now. Well, we will continue festival talk because I'm in quite the predicament that I will fill everyone else in on. I cannot say it on the show, but I can say it in Secret Weekly. That's what you get if you join us on Patreon. Nice. dot com slash IOK. You will see a link for it in the description of whatever app you use to listen to this podcast. So we're going to skedaddle now. Thanks to, for writing in. Write in bobandclint at gmail.com. We'll talk about whatever you want us to talk about. And uh, we'll see whoever has the tickets in the uh, Secret Weekly here now. All right. Bye. 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 <laughs>